Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Yeah. Fool me, can't get fooled again. Welcome to the show, everyone. I am Ben Kissel. That's Marcus Parks. Hey, Ben. How are you, buddy? I'm doing good, man. How about you? Good. Crazy week. Crazy week, but a beautiful day here in New York City. Beautiful day. It's bright and sunny. Traffic is about to bottleneck, but that's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, a lot of did a lot of TV hits. Yeah, you did, I man. was a liberal. <sighs> yes, that was good. They called me a liberal radio host, and I said secular humanist in many ways. Um so that was a lot of fun. Also, Monday, I went to the Close Rikers Island, of course, the horrendous jail right here in beautiful New York City, and that was a very intense rally. I would imagine. You know, you forget, uh, you know, comedy is one thing. That's where the jokes start flying around. <laughs> but when you go to these rallies, the intensity and um, the anger and the rage, it really is, you can feel it in the air. And I had, um, and I was aware that people were upset with de Blasio's plan for the 10 years. It's a 10-year, $10, $10 billion plan to close Rikers Island. For those that don't know, I wrote a little article in the Daily News. It was a very good article. I would recommend Googling it. That's Google it. <laughs> Google the article. Uh, closed down Rikers Island by Ben Kissel. And they said, I'm a Daily News contributor. And that's why, as you see today, Marcus, I bought the Daily News, not the New York Post, because I am a company man. <laughs> wow, that's all it took. That's it. They just had to publish me. <laughs> but if the New York Post publish me, uh, publishes me, I'm willing to, you know. You might, oh, you I'll might put my dollar elsewhere. Start a bidding war, you ought to. I'll start a little bidding war. A little bidding war. <laughs> Who wants Kissel's dollar? Who wants it? <laughs> you get one a morning, and it is possible that it could go to the Daily News or the New York Post. Um, so uh, the 10 years uh, to close the 10-year, $10 billion plan that Bill de Blasio, of course, the mayor right here in beautiful New York City, um, that that's his proposed plan. People are absolutely livid with the 10 years, and I wasn't quite aware uh, until going how upset they were with, that, uh, with the trajectory of 10 years because uh, many people... Of course, Bill de Blasio came up with the Working Families Party, mm. which is a pretty left-leaning party and, uh, you know, heavily influenced by people who want criminal justice reform, and rightfully so. They wanted de Blasio to get on this day one, mm -hmm. and of course now it's three and a half years in, and now he's proposed a 10-year plan, and they're wondering, is this just a... Uh, a political move to get him reelected, and also the new mayor. If he is reelected, he's still got four more years tops. The next person coming in, obviously, will be a Democrat because it's New York City. Might just scrap the whole thing. You don't know. I mean, really, Rikers is de Blasio's Guantanamo. Ooh, that's fun. <laughs> we got a little Gitmo right here. And, and, uh, and like Guantanamo, many of the people at Rikers have not been charged with anything. 75% uh, of them are just awaiting trial. 90% are black or Hispanic. It costs uh, $30 million alone just to transport people, uh, inmates at Rikers Island, uh, to court cases and things like that. It is absolutely insane and absurd uh, how expensive it is, over $200,000 a year per inmate uh, to house them there. And it's simply because many of these individuals come from poor economic means and they can't pay bail. No. Uh, the misdemeanor fine is $1,000 um, on average for a bail and a, uh, and a felony is $5,000. 
$5,000 on average. So really it is an elitist system. It's a caste system. It's much like India in that way. And uh, I think we need to do away with the entire, uh, the entire uh, bail bond system. It is obviously predatory on the poor. Oh, I mean, of course. without a doubt. So anyway, that there's was a, a, there's a reason why they advertise in bars. Absolutely. Yes. And there's a reason why all bail bond, uh, I guess, stores or uh, what, are the, what, what do you call a bail bond? A merchant. It's a, it's a business, a merchant. Yeah. Uh, they, they tend to be in those communities that are preyed on by the police. Yeah. They get the little matchbooks. Absolutely. And uh, so anyone following the BK for BK campaign Monday, May 1st, we're going to have our uh, policies out there on bkforbk.com so check that out it's gonna be a lot of fun oh you're doing it on may day huh may day <laughs> may day is gonna be crazy here in new york city oh. there's a lot of marches planned yeah. and uh i guess if you can go participate go participate but if you are if you're just give yourself extra time right here in new york city because the traffic is going to be insane it's gonna bottleneck it's gonna bottleneck <laughs> that's really all i know about traffic is that it bottlenecks and sometimes it doesn't bottleneck so that's your eyes in the sky right here on cape comedy radio it looks like it could bottleneck it's not a bottleneck yet i will let you know if it bottlenecks here on wccr nice uh so donald trump of course he were, we're uh, nearing his 100 days uh in office fdr sort of set this precedent as something that's significant Significant. Uh, FDR was the first one to say within the first hundred days, I'll do this, that, and the other thing. And uh, and then he made it kind of a big deal when he accomplished those goals. So that's why this whole thing has begun, this hundred day little mark to, I don't it's know. It's like a preview of what your presidency is going to sure. be like. It's like right. I'm going to make campaign promises, first 100 days. It's a very convenient thing to use in a campaign. Right. And within a hundred days, you know, usually presidents have their cabinet all uh, picked out and they have a, a good core group of individuals around and they sort of we have an indication of what the next four years are going to look like. Well it's also kind of a calm down from a campaign season uh, where it's like kind of a well I guess it would say it's a hangover from the campaign season yes. because the campaign really doesn't end until after the first 100 days are over uh, and then people start settling into a new presidency. And I'm not sure if it is a hangover necessarily because Donald Trump still appears to be drunk judging <laughs> from his Twitter. Um, so yeah so FDR kind of started this thing we're going in 100 days. Donald Trump hasn't made good on any of the promises that he uh that he campaigned on in 2016, and of course he wasn't able to uh, to repeal or replace uh, the Affordable Care Act. The border wall has not yet been uh, been created. He 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 changed uh, gears on NAFTA. Of course, he's now uh, very much involved in foreign intervention. The only thing that he did keep his promise on was uh, getting rid of TPP. Hmm. Of course, TPP was still in its infancy, and I suppose in some ways easy for him to do away with because yeah. we hadn't seen it yet in action. As opposed to something like NAFTA, and of course, China is no longer a currency manipulator he's all about the federal reserve loves the federal reserve the epa can stay all those kinds of things that he promised to do away with are still there uh however the border wall seems to be the thing that he wants to get through first uh to seem like he is accomplishing the goals that he promised the american people he was going to accomplish however it won't be 12 billion dollars it will be a 21 billion dollar plan uh, and the Mexicans will not be paying for it, uh, despite all the efforts and all the rhetoric from Donald Trump. No, of course not. Why would uh, there? I, I really don't see how anybody thought that we were actually going to get the Mexicans to pay for a border wall. As a matter of fact, the Mexicans have said it will be a hostile act, and we might just, <laughs> you know, let's just have a war on the southern border. Well, Why not? And of course, we're pissing off the Canadians as well. Well, the only which reason is kind of fun, honestly. Yeah, no, the uh, yeah, that is kind of fun. Well, the only <laughs> reason why uh, Trump wants this border wall built first is because he wants a tangible symbol. Right. Uh, he wants something that people can look at and point at and say that. That's what he did. Look at that right there. 
Because it's a lot easier right. to do that than to point at policy because you can't point at policy. And the border wall has a lot of skeptics. There's four border states who are against yeah. it. Uh, <laughs> yes. But even from even from conservative states, certainly the border states, Arizona's of the world, Texas. Well, of course. Um, they're not thrilled with it whatsoever. Just because someone's conservative doesn't mean they're stupid. That's a good point. Uh, absolutely correct. And specifically not Texas. We're not calling anyone in Texas stupid. We're going to be there very soon. And we think you're very smart and wonderful people. <laughs> we love the Texas people. Beautiful people. <laughs> Tremendous people. Do they make size 14 boots? Fuck yeah, they do. Oh, my friend. How do you think Big Bird walked around? You better watch out, Python. And by I'm coming to skin you because I want some Python skin boots. And by Big Bird, I mean the gigantic man that I grew up with. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. His brother was Big Tex. <laughs> it's just a big family, huh? <laughs> Isn't that wild? They're big men. You know, so the whole point, you know, we, we're, we're getting into the argument here with the border wall of eminent domain, those kinds of things. Uh, of course, it has to have, uh, there needs to be just compensation. Uh, when you do go and take people's lands, the government has to compensate them. Uh, that is not in the plan whatsoever right now for the border. And and then, of course, we're getting in, you know, to the, um, to the, to the general use argument that the federal government would have to use in order to take the land and... And, uh, and build this wall uh, without violating eminent domain. Of course, eminent domain has sort of been, you know, tarnished and thrown away in every single uh, court case that's possible. The government has won every single eminent domain case, uh, you know, even when the man builds a treehouse yeah. and lives in it uh, in order to stop a pipeline or whatever it might be. Um, so that'll that'll be very interesting because I, I don't see the I don't see the general use of the wall unless they put a big plasma flat screen on the back of it and we can all watch the Super Bowl there or something. <laughs> Explain uh, general use a little bit. Well, it's just. It has to be like a national park, for example, when FDR was creating those. The, the whole purpose was that the people, uh, civilians who are taxpayers, can go to their national park and enjoy it, and everyone gets something for their taxpayer dollars. Mm-hmm. Are we going to go lick the wall? Are they going to make it lolly? Or is it going to be bubblegum flavored? Like, uh. there is no, what, what is the use of this wall uh, other I, than being a massive hindrance to the, uh, and an eyesore? Um, and then, of course, as Marcus and I were talking before the show, we watched CNN has a good um, little video clip of what the wall is going to look like. It is obviously something that's just going to have to come down at some point. Uh, absolutely. I mean, but what they're putting that $21 billion into uh, is just the construction. They're not putting it into the maintenance because no. this thing is going to require an intense amount of maintenance. A I huge mean, amount of maintenance. Yeah. I mean, and, and this is going to be a, an ongoing cost for decades. This thing is going to have to come oh, down eventually. And horrible. you're talking about the national parks. Mm-hmm. Ironically, the border wall is going to have to go through one of the most beautiful national parks Good. we have, Big Bend National Park, uh, a very fragile ecosystem mm-hmm. uh, and uh, absolutely beautiful place one of the most beautiful places in all of America it's a stark beauty but mm. it is beauty nonetheless and it's gonna have to go right through the middle of it it's just gonna tear bear families apart <laughs> and, and I'm not for that uh, so you know it'll be I guess it'll be a good canvas for the banksies of the world uh, you know <laughs> things like that uh, so this is really uh, an interesting time for the Trump administration of course he's sitting at 40 percent within his first 100 days uh, approval rating which is horrendous I mean this is the worst in modern history without a doubt of course uh, George W Bush he was the last president to be elected without the popular vote in the year 2000. And there is no one saying that that election wasn't extremely contentious. Of course, it had to go to the Supreme Court, which threw into question the power of the Supreme Court, the fact that they gave us a president for the Mm -hmm. most part, and of course, Jeb Bush um, and and what happened in Florida, how unbelievably... 
It, it looked like there, there's a lot of smoke there, and mm. I think without a doubt there was quite a bit of election fraud fire when it comes to what happened in Florida regarding Al Gore versus uh, George W. Bush. George W. Bush, in his first 100 days, was sitting at around 57% approval rating uh, during this time. So that just shows you how divided the country is and how um, poor people in this country believe that Donald Trump is doing. 40% is extremely, extremely low, and you get the feeling that 40%... Uh, many of those people are just extremely hesitant. They still don't fully support him, but they're just, you know, they're just trying to give him the benefit of the doubt, which is why people like W were able to get that 57% because as Americans, as we've always said, we want to trust our president and we well, want to make our, and we want our, we want to have some faith in the system. Well, we're an optimistic people. We're a forward thinking people. Uh, America, Americans have always been about the future. And I think a lot of the people that are still holding on a little bit is that I think they're, they're a, a wait and see attitude and they want to think. Think that okay, maybe he's going to pull this out. Maybe he's going to get his footing, and maybe he's going to get us uh, to, at the very least, a bearable place, a good right. place. But when he keeps putting things in, like the border wall, when he puts the border wall at the forefront of mm-hmm. his platform, I mean, the border wall is it is a moral issue, uh, and it is not just well, a moral issue for the people coming over from Mexico, who we have said before are refugees. The people that are coming over the border, they are refugees. Well, that's a good point, Marcus, and that's something that isn't really discussed a lot. We talk about the drug cartels, the only episode we never did on last podcast on the left, because they will straight up behead your ass mm-hmm. if you say something negative about them on Twitter. So again, drug cart, great people, good people. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and criticize. But I do believe, to Marcus's point, that the people coming over the border are fleeing a war-torn country. Mm-hmm. And there is no denying that Mexico is in, is in complete and utter turmoil and has been in a, um, in a tribal war with these different cartels for decades. Yeah, And not only that, but uh, look at what's going to happen in America to pay for this wall. We're going to cut so many different programs. We're going to cut a lot of programs that do a lot of good for a lot of Americans, and we're just going to cut them. For a a brick wall. For a a cement wall. Yeah, for a a cement wall, for a symbol uh, that doesn't really even do that much. That's not going to do that as much good as they say it's going to do, because they say that it's going to keep out the drugs. It's going to keep out the criminals. Those those things don't come over the border. No, they come over our, they come over the legal ports if you want to board up Florida if you really want to get rid of the drugs <laughs> yeah well uh, we're cutting the Coast Guard to pay for the goddamn wall <laughs> exactly we're cutting nine billion from the Coast Guard budget and everyone knows the Coast Guard is really on the front lines of the war on drugs and of the uh, of the undocumented workers or illegal immigrant problem because that's where the people come as Marcus just said not not the Mexican border uh, the, uh, there is if you are Donald Trump in the Trump administration and you, you are really you know steadfast on uh, you know wanting to stop illegal immigration we'll get into the uh, uh, sanctuary city uh, situation here in a second. Mm. Uh, 66% drop right now in people coming over the southern border. So Donald Trump's rhetoric has worked uh, in deterring people uh, from coming over. So that's not necessarily a horrible thing per se. That's not a horrible um, thing. And that's and that's fine. You know, uh, They it, can make that choice, I they, suppose. Yeah, those people make that choice to not come over or not. And if his blustery rhetoric is keeping more people from coming over, then that's great. So in other we, words, do we need the fucking wall? No, we don't need the wall. That's 100% definitive truth. We do not need the wall. However, the 66% of people who are no longer coming over here, the people who are suffering 
are farmers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, many farmers, they rely on immigrant labor. They rely on undocumented workers in order to have a, uh, in order to be able to create a product that they can actually profit from, you know, because the, they, they don't have to pay them a minimum wage uh, and things like that. And so farmers, that, many of them who voted for Donald Trump, don't agree with his uh, immigration policy whatsoever. We, we know, and Donald Trump, of course, benefited immensely from undocumented workers. Every single yeah. Trump casino, every single damn Trump building was built on the backs of undocumented workers. So, I mean, that's an ultimate hypocrisy about the whole thing. But so, I mean, that's really one of the interesting things and one of the problems now uh, that we're seeing with the with the American farmers, especially the ones, the very few that are still out there that are independent, yeah. uh, which is fewer and fewer on a daily basis. Very um, they're absolutely being devastated by the by the lack of, uh, of of workers. At the end of the day, I know it's kind of a cliche statement, but Americans who have been here for generations do have. Um, a sense of they they don't want to do certain jobs. Yeah, they just have I don't know if it's an ego or whatever it is. They just believe that their family has uh, has uh, been here long enough where they no longer have to go pick strawberries. Yeah, they feel like they've they've paid their dues. They're t- right. they're a little too proud for that. Uh, right. But uh, I think well, maybe one positive thing about this is that it might end that exploitative labor problem that, well, then that, what because happens? it is and it is an explo- but that's the problem is that a lot of Americans don't see is that the reason why our prices are so low on everything is because these things are built on the backs of immigrants totally. or Chinese or other low yeah. wage workers that's why things are so cheap in America if you actually do pay people a living wage if everybody in America got even mm-hmm. minimum wage prices would skyrocket uh, well and, and that's-, that's but that's but you know what that's fine. They should. Things should be more expensive. Things are way too fucking cheap. But that, I think what... Well, it, the Walmarts of the world will be fine. You know, their, yeah. their products are going to go up a penny, uh, and that's it. It, it is those, those smaller businesses, you know, the people uh, who have small businesses where they have to hire 49 as opposed to 50 people because they can't afford the health care uh, for it. And then those smaller businesses, as like the Creek in the Cave here, um, you know, the owner can't afford, as she was, she was on many, many months ago now, mm. talking about the minimum wage. Many years and, ago. Many years ago. And, uh, you know, she's a she's a left leaning, uh, wonderful, open minded, open hearted person. But she couldn't afford to pay everyone the the fifteen dollar minimum wage uh, because it would just put the company out of business. Yeah. So there has to be, uh, you know, some regulation on what businesses are affected by the fifteen dollar minimum wage. McDonald's should be paying everyone one hundred dollars an hour. Yeah. They'll be just <laughs> fine. Uh, but however, you know, a small coffee shop might you know have to, uh, you know, adjust uh, how much they pay. And then that's why I'm very pro you know, tipping and, and keeping that. I, I disagree with uh, this whole uh, removal of tipping from like our, our service industry jobs. I mean, I'm, you, you make a lot of money from tipping mm-hmm. and uh, to take that away from servers, I think is a big mistake because now that we have a little bit of money, I like to tip big <laughs> and make, you know what I do? I make dreams come true. Yeah. I make dreams. $10. I bought <laughs> one beer for $3. Here's $10. Wow. Feed your kid. Throwing money away. Throw, yes. <laughs> That's what it is. I'm unlike you, Marcus. You're a hoarder of money. I'm not a hoarder of money. You're a hoarder of money. I'm. You know what I'm going to do after this? I'm going to go buy a new pair of pants. <laughs> you are just too much. <laughs> that, is too, that is crazy talk. I can't going believe you're going to do it. Uniqlo and buying a pair of pants. Oh, my because goodness. Because the butt has rubbed out the ones I'm wearing. Uh-huh.
Okay, so let's just wrap up the immigration uh, situation. We can get a little bit to the minimum wage. To my pants? And, no, I don't want to. <laughs> no, I don't want to talk more about your pants. I'm sure they're gonna be great pants. Uniqlo has. I, I don't. I can't fit anything in Uniqlo. They're made for skin, for skinny talls like they, me. Yes, and they don't have extra extra large as a size. No. And I tried to fit into an extra large, and it's a small. Uh, so that was totally inappropriate of them to make me feel that way. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna write a review. <laughs> I will go on. Is there a Yelp for that? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, they. You can yelp a clothing store. There is yeah, nothing. You know what, Ben? You go to the oppressed people's uh, mm. voice. You go to Facebook, sir. I'm gonna yelp about it on <laughs> Facebook. You go. To, you go to Facebook and you tell them they're wrong. I'm yelping about it. <laughs> Don't. Hey, Yelp is the perfect name because that's that's exactly how aggravating all those reviews are. I'm yelping. <laughs> I will yelp about this. I I will yelp. I am yes, yelping. Ben, you take away the only store that fit that has clothes that fit me right. I will not do that. I will not yelp about it. Sanctuary cities, of course, uh, you know California, New York City. They are being threatened with uh, to uh, to have federal funding cut from their budgets, which is absolutely insane because the majority of the money that comes in from the federal government or for roads and things like that. Nothing to do with immigration or uh, undocumented workers. And of course, the great irony right here in New York City is that we pay over $300,000 a day uh, to house uh, Melania and Barron Trump uh, because she's too good to live in the White House, apparently. (laughs) The the place that everybody on earth would love to live isn't quite good enough for the ex-model Melania. And I'm not dissing on Melania. She's fine. She's just a first lady doing her best. And Donald Trump, quite frankly, doesn't treat her very well. I really don't think she's not living in the White House because she's too good for it. I think she's living in the White House because she can't stand to sleep in the same bed as Donald Trump. She's not living in the White House, yeah. Yeah. She's like, they're like Claire and Frank Underwood. (laughs) Although they they didn't sleep in the same bed, but they were both in the White House. If it's good enough for Claire, it should be good enough uh, for Melania. So uh, the Ninth Circuit, of course, the Ninth Circuit is uh, out there. Uh, on the West Coast, and Donald Trump does not like them very much. Uh, they were the ones who put a stop to the travel ban, so-called Muslim ban. Um, so th- that's why the Trump administration was forced to go and, uh, I suppose, rejigger it, for lack of a better word, and uh, cut it down to from seven nations to six nations, and uh, it seems as if that will uh, be okay. The Ninth Circuit Court is now uh, putting a halt to this proposal to stop funding for sanctuary cities uh, for many, many reasons. Of course, the, the biggest one uh, being that it is not uh, the, the money does not go towards housing undocumented uh, workers or undocumented peoples. Uh, it, it, these are these are massive federal uh, funds that go, again, to infrastructure and, and education and things like that that have nothing to do uh, with immigration. So that's why they're completely separate. And the fact that Donald Trump wants to cut funding is uh, is absolutely insane. And uh, so the Ninth Circuit has been sort of the stop of, of many of the more horrendous policies that the Trump administration has put forward so far. Many people think they're uh, quite uh, activist judges and uh, maybe they're having a little judicial overreach. At the same time, uh, the, the proposal to cut uh, funding to sanctuary cities from a federal level is completely insane and so obviously politically motivated. Yeah, um, that it's it petty. Has, it is very petty. And again, the irony is uh, he will be attacking two of the major, um, you know, with California and New York, two of the major states of this country and uh, in two states that are extremely vital to our economy. Yeah, well, he also doesn't care because cities didn't vote for him. Right. Rural 
communities voted for Donald Trump. That's who got him in well, office. Cities cities don't vote for him, so he doesn't care about cities because he will be with these pro, with cutting sure. funding to sanctuary cities, he will be hurting Americans. He will he be will hurting be. he will be hurting children uh, who benefit from education programs yep. that get money from federal funding. He's going to be hurting a lot of people for very petty reasons. Oh, absolutely. And this man wears his pettiness on his sleeve and we understand that he gets very upset that the polls aren't the way that he wants the polls to be. He, uh, you know, everything's a fake poll unless one shows him uh, doing mildly well. Um, and you're right. He doesn't he he is open about the hostility towards the people who disagree with him. He does not embrace the protesters whatsoever. He has no uh, political capability of uh, understanding all of this emotion, all of this anger towards him. You can harness uh, these things and p- pivot them in a positive direction. But instead, he just calls everyone a paid protester and uh, and just completely discredits uh, the rational complaints that they have against him and his administration. So I completely agree with you. It's absolutely petty. And when the federal government has a leader who is petty, it is extremely dangerous and extremely costly to this country. But you were talking about the middle of the country. Uh, and you're right. Donald Trump, uh, it, it is a red nation if you look at the map of, uh, of Republican areas and where Donald Trump won. And it is the cities that uh, that voted against him. Uh, the Democratic Party has to do some major work on turning that color red to blue. And uh, I think they're attempting to with what Bernie Sanders just proposed with the $15 minimum wage uh, and things like that. But the Democratic Party right now is in such uh, turmoil. Uh, and the fact that they're not able to capitalize on the uh, on the Republican Party completely falling apart and frame between the Freedom Caucus, mm-hmm. uh, your your war hawks, your John McCain's of the party, and then your Trumpers, your Steve Kings of the party, it's fractured in three different ways. And the fact that the Democratic Party hasn't been able to coalesce and get together and have a strong unified statement to uh, solidify that middle of the country that is willing to vote Democrat because they had in previous elections. I mean, again, Donald Trump won districts that uh, Barack Obama carried two years in a row, and that uh, George W. Bush uh, lost. So there is no reason why people in the middle of the country won't vote Democrat. They just need to have an economic message that that resonates with them. And the $15 minimum wage, I think, is something that the Democrats might be able to use uh, to get some people uh, on board regarding the economy. But they're being hit on on multiple levels because you also have Trump's uh, make it, build it and make it in America policy, or the America first policy. Uh, he's not for free trade. I was on Fox News yesterday arguing with Harris Faulkner, and she was yelling at me. And she said, oh, you're using superlatives. So what are you talking about? I'm just quoting the president. Um, (laughs) Which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, But, you know, that's going to raise the price of goods uh, quite a bit. If we only build in America, if we're not going to be for free trade, uh, as Donald Trump, you know, we're going to redo NAFTA. Obviously, again, TPP is gone, which I am fine with TPP being gone. Uh, so with the $15 minimum wage and with the make uh, build it and make it in America, you wonder what's going to happen to those, you know, the Walmarts again, the targets of the world, they're going to be fine. Kmart's always fine. Red light specials, blue light specials, they got all the specials. Um, but it's going to be those, it's going to be those small shops that start to really see um, the prices rise on the goods. And then of course that always gets passed over to the consumer. So if the economy doesn't, if, if prices of goods do go up through this America first policy, uh, the Democrats are going to have to come up with something for 2020 uh, that really resonates with the middle of the country. And it has to be an economic message. And I think Bernie Sanders' style of his economic populism could do okay. So, but they have to make a choice because uh, the Democratic Party is currently kind of split between, you know, the Warren Sanders wing of the party, and then you have your Tom Perez, Nancy Pelosi wing of the party, and both of these sides are just butting heads. And of course, Bernie Sanders is not a registered Democrat any longer. He is an independent. He won't, he refuses to get on board, which I kind of love. Yeah. 
Uh, you know, and uh, you know, people are talking about him for 2020, but he would be 78 years old, and I think he's going to end up drowning in that Ben and Jerry's ice cream, uh, <laughs> judging from that picture that we saw recently. Well, I don't know how the the Democrats haven't noticed yet. Is that, yeah, there are these two sides butting heads. It's not as uh, quite as frayed as the Republicans are, but nobody likes the Pelosi side. No one Everybody likes it. hates that side. I mean, that is a, yeah. that side is why they lost the unlosable election. Right. Uh, everybody, anyone who is excited about the Democratic Party. Anybody who wants to be on board is of the Sanders Morgan. The grassroots. The grassroots camp. That's where yep. I, that's where the future lies with the Democrats. It is. It, it's just, um, uh, it is baffling to see, I mean, it's baffling to see how they don't embrace that at all, how they've yep. been so slow to embrace that. And there's been a few big national mistakes, in my opinion, from the left. Number one, Barack Obama taking $400,000 to go speak yeah. at, uh, in front of Wall Street. I believe it's Cantor uh, Corporation, something like that, uh, which is completely hypocritical. Of course, he made $400,000 per year in the White House, and now he's going to get that for one speech after all the railing against Wall Street and uh, you know talking about how he's for Main Street. He's still willing to go and get $400,000 uh, from Wall Street and uh, the price of the presidency went up under Barack Obama. It was 250k, and then of course he's like, "Let's get a raise," and he got a raise <laughs> uh, to four hundred thousand dollars. That hurts. I think that that looks really bad on paper, and uh, and when people see that again, the economic populism of the left is completely hindered when we see Barack Obama going and getting $400,000 per uh, speech to Wall Street. This is what derailed the Hillary Clinton campaign, of Mm -hmm. course. Everyone's like, what did you tell Wall Street? I think she should have just released those documents. From what I understand, she just spoke a a bunch of rational thoughts uh, that were a little bit more conservative. Uh, than the Democratic Party wanted to have her be. Because Hillary Clinton is a little bit more conservative than Donald Trump in a lot of ways. I mean, what is the content of the speech going to be? Is he going to talk about how awesome they are or going to talk about how they need to take more responsibility for America? Usually when someone gives you $400,000, you don't go yell at them. You talk about how awesome they are, yeah. Yeah, I mean, maybe he'll do like a little roasting, but yeah, I think you get four. A light roast, a sear? Maybe a little sear. Yeah, a little little sear. Yeah, it is is disappointing. It's a bad move. It was a very bad move on his part. And I got to talk about that on Cavuto. Cavuto! Cavuto! Fox Business. <laughs> um, but, you know, I want uh, the Democratic Party, I, I do want them to get it together, and I think they can. They just have to decide on a message and stop. You know, it's it's difficult for them because the Republicans are, they're focused on, uh, they don't pay much attention to political correctness or how things are going to be seen. And then you have the left who is really caught up on intersectionalism and certain things. And, and you know, in many ways, uh, that's that's wonderful. But I think that you have to have a focus. And that's what the left is currently lacking because no one wants to come uh, and take a leadership role. Currently, the head of the DNC, Tom Perez, he's attempting uh, to be a leader, but I think he's failing so horribly. Of course, he's the one who beat Keith Ellison out uh, to become the head of the DNC. Keith Ellison, much more supported by the grassroots. And at the end of the day, to be frank, he didn't get the nomination because he's Muslim. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to say that right now because the Alan Dershowitzes of the world um, railed against uh, Keith Ellison because he is Muslim. And so that's why they chose Tom Perez. And Muslim is still a very, it's a difficult political uh, religion to navigate. It's going to be for a long time. And until we and until we see massive breakthroughs and until, you know, assimilation occurs, I mean, obviously every new immigrant group, uh, you know, it takes a, it takes a, a Sometimes a generation, sometimes more, hopefully less. Um, you know, hey, we got used to the Irish. Oh, <laughs> did we get used to the Irish? I'm, yeah. not, I'm not used to the Irish. I'm yet. half Irish. What are you talking about? Um, are you half Irish? Yeah, my mother's maiden name is McMeans. No, I like her. <laughs> no, of course. We'll, and we'll get, yes, everything will be fine. But that's that really did hurt Keith Ellison. It did. Um, and now Tom Perez has come out, a man. 
as, as you can probably recognize from the name, uh, and said there will, you can only be pro-choice uh, if, you're, if you're a Democrat. Now, obviously, I identify as pro-choice. I believe Marcus does as well. Mm-hmm. But the Democratic Party does itself no favors when it isolates and alienates um, different, uh, different political uh, thoughts. I mean, Bernie Sanders got into a lot of trouble because he's supporting a candidate who will vote pro-choice but is personally pro-life, which is something that a politician can hold because you have to understand politicians are voices of the people, so their point of view isn't necessarily the way that they're going to vote. You have to vote with your constituents and have to vote with what uh, the people, with what you believe the people want and what you believe is in the best interest of the people. I wish more politicians were like that. I, I absolutely respect that uh, because he is he is allowed to have, as an American, he is allowed he is. to have private beliefs. He is allowed to believe whatever he wants in his own home. But when he votes, he's voting with his constituents. He is, you know, he's doing his job. That's the job. That's the job. That That is the job. So your personal beliefs, you can believe whatever the heck you want to believe. But once you get into office, you are a spokesperson for the people that you're representing. And so at the end of the day, your personal beliefs, other than, you know, whatever very steadfast things you might believe in. But uh, you have to go with the will of the people. That's that's what you're there to do. And that's why you're elected. And if you want to get reelected, you better uh, hope that you have uh, followed through on that promise, which is, of course, also a double edged sword because we have the Steve Kings of the world, uh, a bigot, a racist, a sexist, a homophobe um, who will probably be reelected in Iowa because they've gerrymandered and redistricted that district to make it a guarantee. And unfortunately, uh, for that district of Iowa, uh, Steve King might represent uh, quite a few of the opinions held by his constituents, and and that's an unfortunate uh, reality here in America. Yeah, I mean that that can't be uh, that can't be ignored. But the Democratic Party needs to go big tent, be big tent, and obviously, again, I'm not saying oh everyone should be uh, pro life in the Democratic Party or anything like that. I'm sure someone will call me conservative all of a sudden for being rational again. But um, <laughs> but you have to be big big tent because there are huge issues out there, and we cannot have the 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 Jeff Sessions of the world have power in this country because as we're seeing it is just it is hateful it is unintelligent Mm. and completely uh unconstitutional and uh it is it is undermining the great work that this country has done on a state level uh, when it comes to uh, legalizing marijuana, when it comes to uh, gay rights, when it comes to a a series of other things that have been so significant and such positive changes in this country. We're seeing with Attorney General Jeff Sessions that those things can be done away with. Yeah, And as we're seeing with Donald Trump as well, those things can be done done away with with a stroke of the pen. Um, And of course, uh, you know, people complain that Donald Trump is golfing too much. I think he should golf more. Yeah. Just get out. (laughs) Get out of there. Go get out of there. 19 times. 19 times. More than any president. More than triple any president. Good for him. I think the most uh, anyone had gone golfing at this point was three, and I think that was maybe Clinton. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think both George Bush and Barack Obama were both zero. But Bush wasn't a big... I don't think Bush Bush was a big golfer, was he? No, I I think he liked to play ping pong on my nose. (laughs) And he would just kind of go and play with the ping pong and just kind of... Ping pong on my nose. Yeah, look at it. Look, I got a ping pong in my hand. Now I got a ping pong on my nose. That is funny. <laughs> so where are we going to bomb next? Iraq. Iraq. Okay, thank you, <laughs> ping pong president. Marcus and I were flying out to uh, to Denver for a couple of live shows recently, and we were in the library. Or we were in the uh, the whatever one of those Hudson News bookstore, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it was a kind bookstore. of a bookstore, kind of a catch all store. And we ran into uh, where Marcus found the book of paintings from George W. Bush and. 
I don't. He's got something going he's on. Definitely got something. I mean, some of them are admittedly very good. Uh, others are terrifying. Yeah, like he almost like others seems to be like it seems like he can see the person's soul. Well, that's what we were talking about with the picture of Putin. He painted other world leaders a lot uh, between painting dogs, which are adorable. Yeah, and but this uh, is all veterans. Yes, and yeah, well, the, then he had the picture of Putin. Yeah. Remember the painting of Putin? Well, the book was all veterans, but I remember the oh yes. of Putin. Putin. Yes, and uh, Putin. And Putin. <laughs> Putin. Um, we're kind of off our rockers today. A little bit. That's kind of fun, though. <laughs> uh, and it, it really does show Putin's eyes very well. Yeah. Scary stuff. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, where are we? We are talking <laughs> about- uh, Jeff Sessions. Jeff Sessions, the Democrats, uh, you know, they've got to get together. They have to have a unified message. And, um, and I, you know, it, it, just, it just seems like this would be the time to really capitalize. And I know we just had this man elected 2017 here. We are uh, 100 days in, but they need to start getting some new, uh, some new faces out for the 2018 election. The Democrats have to start doing that now. And I haven't really seen anybody come forward, uh, you know, other than, of course, on a national level, somebody like an Al Franken. But he's already in the Senate. Where are the new people? Yeah. And I think that's something that Barack Obama is attempting to do after, Cl- after the Clintons uh, sort of purged the party of, uh, of all people that could possibly threaten their, their reign at the top of leading the Democratic Party. Uh, we just have to see, uh, you know, where it comes from and, uh, and who's willing to step up to the plate. I think Tulsi Gabbard uh, could possibly do very well. She's great. She was the one. She came out against the Syrian attack and, uh, of course, the bombing and, of course, the mother of all bombs that was landed in Afghanistan because Donald Trump wanted to raise his approval ratings and distract from his horrendous presidency in the first 100 days. Uh, she's, she stood up against those things, which I've been very for. She's her got convic- up against. She's got conviction. She does have conviction, so maybe she can get a little bit of uh, a little uh, more press and, and things like that. Um, so that'll be interesting to watch, and we have to watch it. And hopefully, um, they can kind of. I, I really hope they go with that grassroots approach because that is again where the people are coming out and uh, and actively vocalizing uh, their opinions, uh, vocalizing where they want to see this country go, and they are giving the Democratic Party their platform. Mm-hmm. Just do what Donald Trump did and just listen. Just shut up. Stop, uh, you know, uh, pontificating from the top and just listen to the grassroots, write down everything they say, Mm -hmm. and then regurgitate it back to them. (laughs) And then you know what? You got yourself a Congress seat. You have yourself uh, a a Senate seat, a House seat, and you have yourself the next president of the United States. You're good. Tell the people, give the people what they want. Uh, It's a how insane is that for a politician to do? But uh, that's what they have to do. And that's exactly what Trump did. And that's why we have uh, him sitting uh, in the Oval Office right now with his very strange, strange large suits. Weird butt. Weird butt. I think that's what it is. I think the butt is throwing off the whole suit. It's possible, buddy. Because that thing is gigantic. It's a strange one. <laughs> well, he's very, all he does is eat fast food. All he does is eat fast food. And, of course, uh, Trump's tax plan. Um, there's no details in it, so we really can't tell you yeah. too much about it. It's, and Mnuchin is saying that he can't guarantee that taxes won't raise on the middle class. Okay, great. Thank you, Mnuchin. He also has a <laughs> very strange tick on his face, a John Kasich-like twitch, and it's extremely distracting. I believe the tax plan is what? Uh, he's going to cut the corporate tax to 15%, mm-hmm. and uh, you know he, they want to do tax cuts across the board, uh, which, of course, everyone is in favor of not paying more taxes. But then you counter that with, again, a $21 billion border wall that we will be paying and all the infrastructure that's fallen apart around our country. So I don't really see how it works. I mean, the deficit is just going to continue. Uh, you know, we're already $19 trillion in debt. That's just going to go up and up and up and up. So I don't see there's no fiscal conservative. There's no adult in the room when it comes to economics. Mm-hmm. If you want to cut taxes, you, you got to do one or the other. 
You can't have a $21 billion waste uh, with a border wall and everything else that they're spending on, specifically the war machine, uh, ramping up to what's going to happen in North Korea, which we didn't even get into on this episode, but we can talk about that. That'll be happening for a while, so we can talk about that in the future here. Well, there's not a lot of new uh, developments since the last time we talked about it. It's just mostly them shooting spitballs at each other. A lot of saber rattling and a lot of hot tweets. Hot hot tweets. Hot tweets and hot takes. Um, So, yeah. That's that's basically where we are this week. Um, I don't. Was it depressing? Is it depressing? I don't think. I mean, I'm. I am steady, my friend. I'm steady too. Yeah. I just I'm, feel like people are. Don't be depressed. Uh, it's gonna be fine. And run for uh, office yourself because then you can do it. Yeah. If I can do it. Anyone can do it. It's gonna be. It's gonna be fine. Uh, I mean, remember yeah. that we are at the most peaceful time that the world has ever seen. That uh, America is it the is. least violent that it's been in decades. Less starvation than ever before. Less starvation. Obesity is killing more people than starvation. Yeah. Well, okay. Obesity is a huge problem. Oh, that's a big problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. That is that. That is the. That is the thing that is uh, absolutely killing us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but you, that that needs to be fixed. If if you are overweight, I recommend listening to a great comedian, rest in peace, Kevin Meany. Oh. We're big pants people. <laughs> Didn't he die of obesity-related? No. No, no. He, he lost a lot of weight, Kevin Meany. Oh, I thought he died of like a heart attack. No. Well, he might have still died of a heart attack, but he <laughs> lost a lot of weight. Yeah. No, I th- I'm not sure how he actually passed away. He was the that's not right guy. That's not right. Oh. Kevin Meany. That's okay. No, no. Yes. Um, also, people wanted me to weigh in on the Bill O'Reilly situation with Fox News. Um, Bill O'Reilly was always a total prick to me. Uh, I was taking the, I took the elevator with him on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. We are the same height, and I, I don't think he liked that very much. And uh, he was always very cold, very mean. No one liked him around the building. Um, so that's really the only thing I can say about it. And that's why no one came to his defense when he was fired at Fox News. Yeah. No, I mean, literally, uh, they would have to clear out. You would clear out of the green room when he would come through to have his own crew uh, because he got into he got in trouble with uh, with a hairdresser previously or. Or makeup person, and he just always seemed like a very unhappy, uh, angry, bitter, multi, 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 multi millionaire. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I'm not sure why he was so upset all the time, but he definitely was. And so that's all I have to say about uh, about Bill O'Reilly. And now he has a podcast, so let's try to beat his podcast. What I say? What I I he's going to get a podcast? I called yeah. it. I called it when uh, he was getting fired. I called it. I said that the, yep. he is going to go to the internet. He is going to get his own podcast, uh, and he did it quick, man. Yes, he did. Because he's <laughs> he absolutely he, <laughs> some big did, news is going to come. He did it fast because his ego will not let him uh, be silent. Yeah. I agree. And someone uh, messaged me as well and be like, are you going to still do stuff at Fox News? And, you know, again, they've never told me what I can and cannot say. And I'm of the mind where uh, let's replace these bad people with with people that aren't horrible. And I don't think I'm horrible. You're not horrible. All right. I'll take it. (laughs) Um, So that's that's where I'm at. That's the least I can say about you. Thank you you so much. You're not horrible. Not horrible. Try to be a good person. Uh, that's all we can do. Yep. So, um, all right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. That's Marcus Parks. Find him on Twitter at Marcus Parks. I'm on Twitter at Ben Kissel. And uh, yeah, buy the shirt if you want to. When you get it, it smells like vinegar. Yeah, because that's the ink. So, <laughs> so wash it. Unless you love vinegar, I do love vinegar. I like vinegar too. I would if my house could always smell like vinegar. I would make it make it that way. I guess I could just pour vinegar around my house. You actually could. Yeah, I'll just, it, I just won't tell Carolina about it. She'll just come home one yeah. day, and I'll pretend like I don't know what's going on. That and it'll keep the Draculas away as well. <laughs> I, I don't think the Draculas like vinegar too much. Um, thanks so much for listening, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. All right, Marcus, let's do some emails. Yeah, let's do it. I, oh. I haven't, I've only been on the email thing once. All right, good. Um, yes, I wasn't able to do a dumpster fire, so this is with Marcus, and we got to do these together more. But we've been so busy. 
We're very busy people. You have a big old. Remember that picture that was posted on Twitter about you with that butt? Yeah. Yeah, he had a big butt. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I was just thinking about that. Yeah, I got a big butt. You know that big butt? You know what that big butt means? What? I got to go buy pants. <laughs> <laughs> We're big pants people. <laughs> That's not right. <laughs> Kevin made it. Um, okay, this email comes in from the, a name I really can't pronounce at all. It's J-A-N-A-L-Y-N. Janelin? Janelin. I guess it's Janelin, and it's Janelin Prude Prude. <laughs> I don't know if that's a real name or not. Um, but this one says, Educating Ben Kissel. Oh, I'm excited. I always Ooh. love to get educated. <laughs> Hold on. I got to go in the back of the class and make my spitballs. Get them ready here. Um, okay, the email reads, Hi, Ben. Let me start by saying, with the proverbial kissing of your ass. Ooh, thank you. Ooh. It wasn't proverbial. I felt that. I don't remember that proverb. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I love you and your multiple podcasts. Thank you so much. I get a, I have a feeling she's about to yell at me. I bet. Uh, first things first, bail. Okay, this is about jail, I believe believe in, in prison. Bail is an option given as a good faith as collateral and if you show up and take care of business I'll tap to start dictation. I'm not sh- I d- she, I'm just reading it. You will get your you'll get your bail money back. Okay, so she's saying basically bail is just a gesture of good faith. Of course, a gesture of good faith that many people can't pay. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. But if you do not show up to court, then yes, they can keep it. Everything you talk about is how people are not responsible for their actions. I agree. Canadians do not cut crime enough to be justified. But when you are in a public place, you have no right to privacy. Um, also, for you to just equate prisoners to slaves tell, tells me you just lived a sheltered, a very sheltered life. There was a thin line between feeling bad for others and being uh, condescending and ignorant. Okay, so this is a fun one. Um, First of all, I mean, I don't think I've lived a sheltered life. I've been to jail. I've done hard time. (laughs) Hard time. You didn't Um, do hard time. You spent a night in jail because you got a DWI. No, that that wasn't for the DWI. I didn't spend a night in jail for that. I was 19 years old when I made that mistake, and I learned a lot from that experience, and I have not driven drunk since. And please, learn from my mistakes. Do not drive drunk. It does not pay off in the long run. Um, I spent 23 hours in the tombs. Mm-hmm. Remember that here in beautiful New York it's City. Not a hard time. It was hard for me. It was just it was just a sour was, milk smell. Technically, it was hard, and technically, <laughs> it was time. So that is hard time. Yes, it was not backbreaking labor. And of course, we took in foster kids since uh, since I was twelve years old. And uh, you know, the criminal justice system. It is very interesting uh, with what happens now with the criminal justice system. Uh, for the most part, uh, foster care is uh, it is a tube. It is an, it is just a uh, it is just a bridge uh, to the prison system. There is no safety net for these individuals after they age out. And things like that. So we do have to have compassion and we do have to understand that we're creating a world. We create a society uh, that that is we can either help individuals or we can hurt individuals and we can either uh, throw them away and and not recognize that they are people uh, that have uh, perhaps made mistakes, many times extremely minor mistakes and gotten uh, over sentenced beyond belief. I, I just watched a documentary about a man who was sentenced to prison for four years. He ended up with 100 years after getting into a prison fight, uh, which happens, uh, you know, because there is no one defending these individuals. Prison guards don't give a crap. And at the end of the day, uh, they're going to throw the book at you because you don't have any proper legal defense. And that's the situation that happens at Rikers Island as well that not a lot of people understand. Uh, there was a company, a program, and I'm forgetting the name of it. I wrote about it in my daily news article. Uh, it's now defunct because it was deemed unconstitutional, which is very ironic. They would pay people's bail. And 92% of the people that they paid bail for at Rikers Island, they got out and they were found innocent and they did no jail time. Uh, it is 
the opposite and more uh, of individuals at Rikers Island who can't pay bail, 99% of them are found guilty or they plea out mm-hmm. um, because they don't have any legal defense. So if we want to live in a nation uh, that has a constitutional right to a trial that is uh, you know, reasonable of peers, which cannot happen in places like Rikers Island in many ways, um, we have to we have to uh, uphold those those uh, those rights for all individuals, regardless if you like them uh, or if you don't like them. It really doesn't matter. Um, and also what happens at Rikers Island uh, is uh, individuals who, uh, you know, individ- they, they plea out because they're so horrified of getting the, 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 the book thrown at them. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, the over-sentencing is just absolutely through the roof. So when someone is like, you're facing 25 years or, or, 25 years, or you sign this for three, uh, to, to get you three years, they're going to take it for three years. And the defense lawyer that they have is uh, extremely busy. They're the, they're the McDonald's employees. And I'm not even saying this negatively. They're just extremely busy. Yeah. And they don't have time to focus on your case, and they don't care. Uh, and they, they just don't have the, they don't have the ability to, to really take the time and, and help you. Well, public defenders... They have a, a stack of cases, you know, a foot tall sometimes. Uh, these people, I mean, they just have to d- have their attention split in so many different directions. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what is it they say? Rich man never went to the electric chair. That's very true. And when it comes to prisoners being slaves, I mean, hey, you know, look no further than tw- than the 12% of prisons that are private. They take in the undocumented workers. They work them from 5 a.m. to 9 p.m. Uh, they get no money for this whatsoever. Look at Angola prison. Uh, it's not a coincidence that it used to be a plantation. There were more blacks imprisoned right now than there were slaves in this country. It's ironic that I'm being called ignorant um, when in reality uh, you have to look past your bias and look past um, what you believe uh, to be true because it does and it does rely rely on you to understand that the system that we're living in is extremely flawed and the fact that people aren't standing up to stop it all of us are complicit. Every single person, there was just a person who was killed by the state, I forget what state, uh, most likely innocent, we're all complicit if we uh, don't stand up and try to end uh, the mass incarceration uh, that, that is uh, happening in this nation. It is completely and utterly ridiculous. And I agree, people have to have personal responsibility. What's the best way to make a good citizen? Certainly not throwing them away for the rest of their lives or throwing them away for 20 years and them getting an education in bureaucracy, crime, violence, and all things that make you a better criminal. That's all that prisons and jails teach you. So I want uh, people to come out of there uh, and, and be better human beings, uh, maybe get an education, and actually benefit society. And I don't think there's anything ignorant about that. Um, all right, Marcus, you have something to say. Uh, this is from Ginny Whiskey. Ooh. Says, hey, Ben, after listening to your most recent Abe Lincoln Stop Hat episode, I feel the need to correct you about Antifa. Oh, Antifa. Uh, they've been around since the 20s in various countries, but what we know now in America as anti uh, Antifa has been around long before the Trump era. In fact, Antifa kids have been beating Nazis out of the punk scene since the 80s and showing up at counter-protest clan rallies. The only reason why this seems new to us now is the same reason twats like Richard Spencer and his mm. minions just seem to pop up out of nowhere. Mm. The fact is they both always been around Trump or not. The only difference now is the tension is greater. Groups like ARA, Anti-Racist Action, have been doing the same thing for years too without much publicity as well as the Sharps, Skinheads Against Racial Prejudice. If you've ever spent any time in the punk scene over the years, it's no secret that it's a constant battle to chase Nazis away in many places. Anyway, thanks to the awesome podcast. Love last podcast too and keep being generally large and entertaining. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to put that on my tombstone. Generally large and entertaining <laughs> just generally um okay well thank you very much for uh, educating me on that uh, yeah. i i was not aware that they had been around for so long i got a lot of tweets and messages about antifa and 
you know, again, I do not promote violence, but we see what happens now with these uh, with this group, Proud Boys. I mean, they're wearing masks. Everyone's wearing masks and fighting with each other. And, you know, again, I, I really wish that everyone could just kind of come together and not uh, embrace the, the violent um, tendencies of human nature. But uh, very educational. And thank you for telling me more about Antifa. Yeah, people are freaking out on both sides. Seems like, yeah. uh, you know, people uh, on the left and center are freaking out about Proud Boys and people on the right are freaking out about uh, Antifa. Got a, uh, I got an email about it from... Uh, one of the uh, conservatives we got out there just mm-hmm. abs- just terrified of Antifa. And, and rightfully so in a lot of ways. If you just listen to the rhetoric, it's extremely, it's, it's hostile. Just those, ex- once you get to the extreme on, on either side, right. uh, I mean, it, and I'm not it's ju- going to yeah. be hostile. Yeah, and the, that whole Proud Boys thing, it's, it's so... Ugh, they're just so It's stupid. embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Yeah. And I know the person who runs it, and he's such a... I don't even want to get into yeah, that. And we, so. know, uh, we know a guy who got seduced into that whole uh, scene. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, it, it was like a, a 180 personality switch. It, it but is. it also does make you wonder if that's just what he thought all along, and Maybe. now he's got buddies to back him up on it. Maybe. It's also cult mentality. Everyone wants to have a family. Everyone wants a, a communal relationship. And, and people go out, and they try to uh, you know seek out those emotional... Um, human needs, and sometimes it uh, it turns into becoming a part of a group that is uh, that has violent tendencies and uh, and spews hatred, which is extremely unfortunate. And I think everyone at some point, uh, whether you're Antifa or Proud Boys or whatever, I think you I I don't want to say grow out of it, but I I think people mature in some ways out of it and realize that that isn't the best way to do it. If you're in, in Antifa right now, take off the mask. Put it on a suit jacket and run for office. Uh, please, God, that, that's what we need. Because, you know, I love the platform, fighting Nazis and punching Richard Spencer, which, by the way, I am now in favor of. You're now I in watched favor it, of I watched too many. I watched an interview with him. I'm like, yeah, I, I, now I'm pro. You know what? Punch him. I don't care. He's such, a, such an asshole. It's unbelievable what yeah. a prick that guy is. You seen Green Room? Yes, of course. Man, Nazi punks are terrifying. I'm, I'm not trying to mess with them. Yeah, Nazi punks, I'd say, are among the most terrifying people we got in America. It's funny you mentioned that. My friend Dennis, who you met uh, during our Minneapolis show. Right. Great guy. Such a nice guy. Uh, he's got a daughter, wonderful person, one of the most liberal, loving people ever. He has a punk band. Mm-hmm. And they got suckered into the exact situation in Green Room uh, oh. that happened in Green Room. For those that haven't seen it, it's about a, a young punk uh, band that goes to, to, to perform at a show. Turns out it's a neo-Nazi complex, and uh, it goes on from there um and they were just horrified and he's like we just sang our it was a, he basically described the movie green room minus uh, mm-hmm. the more horrific things that play a screwdriver it. song i had no idea that the nazis had such an influence in the punk rock scene for because i always listened to like fugazi and uh and well, that kind of stuff and fugazi i guess was more of a antifa type uh punk as oh as yeah well fa- well fugazi was more like you know like the the post-punk style but i mean bands like dead kennedy's had to write songs because they wrote you know deutschland uber alles uh, uh, or uh, california uber alles excuse me me. Uh, and all these punks started showing up to their shows, so they had to write a song called Nazi Punks Fuck Off, which oh. was the song that uh, the band in Green Room started their set with. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. So, it's, yeah. Oh, it's that's a, right. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. So there's a, there is definitely, there's a long history of Nazis making their way into the punk scene. And, and got, there's a whole genre of like skinhead punk. Like Screwdriver is a big uh, skinhead punk band. Okay, but then, nice. of course, there are different kinds of skinheads. I don't even want to get into all that. <laughs> I, I had Your red just, shoelaces and all 
there's a whole it's a whole thing. It's amazing how people they organize so well with their with their clothes and everything. I mean, you want to talk about tribalism? I mean, it, it's just mm. there are millions of them out there. All right, and we all have our small little places in the universe. I did have a chance to see the Melvins and uh, Napalm Death. And Napalm Death. I have no idea what the songs are about, but my God, the uh, the in betweens are hilarious. <laughs> the lead singer is fucking on fire. Uh, he is yeah. so funny, but no one no one uh, moshes anymore. Um, they just kind of like they don't they kind of get like an inch close to each other and yeah. then kind of it's kind of different. It's it is different. We used to do mosh like in eighth grade. We were we were moshing all over the place. Before oh I got, yeah yeah yeah. Before I got uh, too big for it. Yeah. <laughs> then my friends they just had me lift them up and so they could crowd surf. Yeah, mm. I was the I was the skinny guy down in the mosh pit. Mm. I was helping you out. <laughs> um, all right, let's do one more. Hey, Ben, let me just start off by saying, oh, this is from Tristan Tolhurst. Ooh, hello, Tristan. Hey, Ben, let me just start off by saying that I'm a huge fan of everything you're doing here on Abe Lincoln's Top Hat and Last Podcast. I've been very happily listening for years now. I wanted to pose you a question. Uh-oh. As a Democratic strategist. <laughs> <laughs> That's correct. I wear many hats. In regards to the emoluments clause. I've been hearing I've been hearing that term thrown around online a little bit lately, and some people are regarding it as a ray of hope in terms of doing away with the Trump presidency. While I'm far from a political expert, this clause, as far as I understand it, would allow Congress to impeach Trump based on the fact that he's never made any more to put his assets into a blind trust. The yep. whole concept of it feels a little too good to be true. I'd like to hear your opinion on this, whether you think it would actually oust Trump, whether anyone would ever actually enact it, and if it would even be a good thing if it happened. Thanks in advance. Yep. And and best of luck with your upcoming campaign. Thank you very much. Well, basically, the emolument, uh, the emoluments clause uh, just makes it so a president can't benefit from office. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, this is sort of what does that really mean? Again, Barack Obama was taking 400k a year, and uh, presidents before that was uh, around 250k a year. And presidents understand that your ex-presidency, much like uh, professional athletes, will go into broadcasting. You go into giving speeches for huge amounts of money. So, what is it? Uh, it's kind of a an abstract idea. The well, reason so while it's in office. Though, well, right? in office. Yeah, yes. while in office. You, yeah. yeah, so that's why, of course, Donald Trump was saying that he won't uh, be profiting from his businesses any longer. Of course, that's untrue because Mar-a-Lago is doing extremely well uh, under the pres- uh, 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 Trump presidency. Will this have any is, is stick to it? Uh, I, I don't. I, I think this is kind of wishful thinking in a lot of ways. Well, not um, as long as the Republicans are in control. Well, yes, but even if they're not, I mean, it would it would have to be very blatant and of course uh you know donald trump he did he has separated himself from his businesses enough legally um but basically yeah it, it the whole thing is just you know you can't profit uh when you're the president of the united states because you know obviously that would lead to a bunch of corruption and crony capitalism which we're seeing on a regular basis anyway in this country so uh it's one of those things that people like to throw around as sort of a a uh, as a beacon of hope but uh, in in practicality i think it would be almost impossible to impeach him for that reason mm-hmm. um I mean, who knows? Uh, but again, you know, if he is impeached, I mean, Bill Clinton was impeached. That doesn't mean you're out of office. Uh, that's a whole nother process. And uh, I, I think we just kind of have to strap in and realize that he's going to be president for four years, barring something absolutely catastrophic that happens within the White House. Uh, Frank Underwood, a.k.a. Mike Pence, I, I could see him trying to pull some political stunts and becoming president. But as I mentioned in the last Dumpster Fire chat, Mike Pence is atrocious. Yeah, His, his social conservatism is worse than Donald 
Donald Trump's, uh, to say the least. And I think he's also quite hawkish. So that's basically the emoluments clause. Uh, you just can't benefit from office. And Donald Trump uh, maybe hasn't severed ties quite enough, but it seems like he's uh, you know crossed the threshold of legality uh, when it comes to being president. So that's that. Who knows what's going to happen? In the, this is we're a hundred days in, and everything is already absolutely insane. So thirteen hundred more to go. Thirteen hundred more to go. So God knows one of those days Donald Trump might tweet the wrong thing and uh, and find himself uh, out of office. Who the heck knows? But anyway, thanks so much for listening, everyone. That's Marcus Parks. Find him on Twitter at Marcus Parks. I'm Ben Kissel at Ben Kissel. And uh, yeah, keep on emailing me. It's Ben K721 at gmail.com. And uh, all right, I think that's it. And go buy a t-shirt if you want to. Um, All right, we'll talk to you soon. Bye. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to cavecomedyradio.com. 